Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Mac user, December 1987. Pathways and Relationships, by Douglas Adams. Mock if you must, but Bach, Mozart, Velcro, and Hypercard is not a bad score. One day, we will all blow ourselves up. Of this, for most of the time, I am pretty much convinced. I hope it's not before Microsoft gets all the bugs out of Word 3.0, because I don't think they should get off that lightly. But it will happen. The local planet coroner for our galactic sector will roll up in his official ship, take a cursory glance at the new, faintly glowing asteroid belt now occupying the third orbit out from the sun, nod curtly to himself, say, oh yes, another freedom and democracy job, tick it off in his little book, and zoom off for an early lunch. But if he's already eaten and has a little time to kill before dinner, then maybe he will sift around in the rubble a little and ponder on what he finds. Perhaps he will be moved by it. It's even possible that he may be quite impressed. I would like to think that he will feel impelled to leave a little plaque on one of the larger asteroids saying, Mock if you must, but Bach, Mozart, Velcro, and Hypercard is not a bad score. By the time this article actually comes out, why, with so much technology and desktop publishing and so on, does it still take as long to get a magazine out as it does for a pig to gestate? Where was I? Oh yes, by the time this article actually comes out, you will probably have read dozens of articles on how wonderful Hypercard is and will be praying that I'm going to go for Velcro. But no, Hypercard it is. So why all the fuss about a program that is a less powerful visual database than Business File Vision? A less powerful painting tool than SuperPaint or GraphicWorks? A less powerful hypertext editor than Guide? A less powerful object-oriented programming language than Smalltalk? A less powerful file manager than the Finder? Well, I think it occupies the same niche in the evolution of software as human beings do in the evolution of life. A human can't run as fast as a horse, can't climb trees as well as a monkey, can't swim as well as a fish, hear as well as a dog, or see as well as a cat. But we can swim better than a monkey and run faster than a fish. If we need to go as fast as a horse, we can ride one. If we need to go faster still, we can build a car or an aeroplane, or use one that someone else has built. We can find a way of doing just about anything we want to do. We can even invent Velcro. It's the fact that we are unspecialized but infinitely adaptable that has been the secret of our stupendous success as a species. A cheetah may, after millions of years of evolution, be perfectly designed to run at a phenomenal 70 miles per hour, but it cannot use the phone, which, as we know, is often a more effective way of getting something done quickly. A giraffe that knew where the ladder was kept could dispense with a lot of troublesome vertebrae. In other words, Hypercard is a program that functions in the same way that human beings do. It can turn its hand to any kind of task at any moment and do it as well as most tasks actually need. And if the task is beyond it, Hypercard can use the phone, it can go for a ride on Excel, 
and it knows where Illustrator is kept. An awful lot of what we do on the computer doesn't actually require the massive speed of Excel, which is a lousy paint program, or the power of Illustrator, which hasn't the faintest idea who my dentist is or if I'm meant to be seeing her this afternoon. Most of the work we do does not consist of isolated Herculean tasks of calculation or typesetting or managing the payroll of General Motors. The work we do rarely consists of a single Herculean task, but rather is made up of a large array of comparatively small and simple tasks, all of which relate to each other. It's the relationships between all of these little tasks that makes the work that each of us does unique, and which makes the business of trying to find software that actually fits the way we work such a bitch. Even the desk accessory strategy didn't really solve this problem, because although they provide a set of readily accessible small tools, they don't allow you to develop all the little pathways and relationships between tools and data, which are what your work really needs. And most of the interesting ones don't work with each other or with the one application you use most of the time, or with whatever the latest release of the system software is. It occurs to me that there's an echo of this human-like adaptability to be heard in the hardware world at the moment. The idea of the super-powerful, number-crunching central processor has been taken about as far as we think it can by the current generation of Cray supercomputers. The coming strategy, as adopted in The Connection Machine, is to use far simpler and less powerful processors, but connect scores of them in a network and let them all work together, each tackling relatively much simpler tasks. Well, perhaps I shouldn't push the analogy too hard. Somebody said to me that the great thing about HyperCard is that it actually does all those things that people who don't know anything about computers assume they ought to be able to do. In other words, the reality is at last beginning to catch up with the fantasy. You remember the fantasy? That getting a computer would solve all your work and organization problems? It was like the way that fairy tales used to end. The prince, having given up fighting ogres, slaying dragons, or just generally being a frog, has finally won his princess. The story then ends with, they got married and lived happily ever after, as if there was some kind of causal relationship between these two utterly disparate occurrences. I suspect that I am not alone in having been seduced by a romantic fantasy about the Macintosh. I can remember when we first met. Our eyes met across a crowded room. It was at the Infocom offices about four years ago when I was working on the game of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Dave Lebling had come into the room where I was working and said that there was something next door that I might like. Assuming that he meant what he usually meant, which was that he had found a new type of pizza, I went to have a look, and discovered instead a group of people crowded around a small beige-colored box that looked like a toy. As it turned out, there was a very good reason why it looked like a toy. I watched, at first with mild curiosity, and then gradually I began to feel that kind of roaring, tingling, floating sensation which meant that I had had my first experience of Mac Paint. But what I, and I think everybody else who bought the machine in the early days, fell in love with was not the machine itself, which was ridiculously slow and underpowered, but a romantic idea of the machine. 
and that romantic idea had to sustain me through the realities of actually working on the 128K Mac, then the 512K Mac, and even, let's be honest now that the Mac 2 is here, on the Mac Plus. Well, just as I had finally resigned myself to being older and wiser, the fairy story has confounded all expectations by suddenly and unexpectedly turning into real life. I've had HyperCard on my Mac 2 for a month, and slowly, all the old cliches are coming true. It has completely transformed my working life by gradually adapting itself into a model of how I work. It's beginning to affect the way I think because I can connect anything, anywhere, with anything anywhere else. I can try out any idea that occurs to me and quickly find my way back to what I was doing. The program provides you with Ariadne's thread through the labyrinth, and most astonishing of all, it has actually physically transformed my office. For the first time in my life, I know where everything is. Every letter, every old script, every odd piece of paper. I can find it in seconds. I can find pieces of paper I didn't even know I had. The romantic idea that was inherent in the first Mac was that software should be designed not for computers, but for machines. HyperCard is the first time that that idea has suddenly and dramatically come to life. Well, that's that done. I now have a quick article to dash off for Practical Fabric Fastening magazine, and I think I know how it's going to start. One day, we will all blow ourselves up. As the author of the four books of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy and the perpetrator of two Infocom text adventures, Hitchhikers and Bureaucracy, Douglas Adams needs no introduction. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more stories at www.macfolkloreradio.com or you can gab at me about old Mac stuff anytime by sending email to Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at MacFolkloreRadio.com. I really appreciate your reviews on iTunes. <laughs>